Thank you so much for tuning in to the Spiro Avenue Show. You could follow us on social media at Spiro Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also watch our full episodes and clips and highlights on YouTube. And we would appreciate it if you could hit that subscribe button for us. Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. What the hell is up? It's just a wonderful day here because we get to talk gambling, but not yet. Because the human race, we have many vices. One of them is gambling, yes, and we'll get to gambling in a minute. But my favorite vice is alcohol. Not an alcoholic, but I do enjoy a really good red wine. And that brings us to our sponsor, The Smuggler's Son, owned by Virgil's Vineyard. It is the best, best red wine you can get under $100 anywhere. And I challenge you otherwise. We recommend you go to virgilsvineyard.com. Use the discount code Spiro, S-P-I-R-O, and get a 10% discount on The Smuggler's Son. I have way too much of this in my wine cellar. I give it away to as many people as I can. They all love it. You will too. Check them out, virgilsvineyard.com, and I promise you will love it. If you like red wine, you can't go wrong. It's the best. So thank you to them. And now moving on to the second vice of the human race, another one that has been afflicting me for many years. Don't tell my parents who happen to watch this show periodically. I am uh, a big gambler, and uh, not in terms of uh, volume uh, of the wager necessarily, but volume of bets. I love it. And when we're talking about gambling, there's no better time to bring in a guy who covers this for a living, a guy who covers sort of the changing landscape in Michigan as it is now, it is Matt Shook of PlayMichigan.com, who for the first time is in studio, and we're yes. happy to have you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Appreciate it. It's awesome. And, you know, I, I make a joke. It's a running joke, Matt, mm-hmm. on this show. I basically harass people to come on the show. You're friends with Justin Rogers. Mm-hmm. I have to twist the guy's arm, kneecap the guy to get him in here because I'm not a very likable guy for, <laughs> for some people. In that's the not the impression that I'm getting. Well, that's, uh, you, you don't know me that well yet, but <laughs> no, I, I'm trying, okay? It's, it's, it's gotcha. a rehabilitative process. There's a lot of uh, bad undo. I was, a, I was a shit stain in my 20s, brother, mm-hmm. I'm telling you. But uh, we'll, we'll get to this, though. You were one of the only people that have reached out to me, which I was very mm-hmm. flattered. I had sort of a, a loose understanding of your work, had you know seen your name on Detroit News bylines over the years, mm-hmm. but I had never got into the gambling stuff that you've been doing. And I looked, you know, because we don't just allow anybody on this show, believe it or not, there have been people that have asked that we've <laughs> said no. I, 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 you know, I'm a nice guy. I find uh-huh. some excuse. Like, you know, we already had someone talking about pigeons. We can't do it this week. But um, I thought we were doing pigeons next. No, okay. no pigeons on this Fair show. Enough. Yeah, we, okay. we, we've maxed out our, our pigeon quota. Mm-hmm. But I actually got really into your work the last week since we had first discussed you coming on. And I just love what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm sort of glad that I get to go a little bit more uh, deep into your material. You're doing a great job. Thank you. Appreciate it. I, I think I've read probably 12 or 13 of your, your last articles over mm-hmm. at PlayMichigan.com. So, Gambling stuff, this would have interested me five years ago, last year, six months ago, whenever, but it's particularly pertinent now. We're in this sort of changing landscape where it's legal in Detroit now. Mm-hmm. Sports wagering in particular. I'm not a you know, blackjack a little bit if I'm in Vegas, but I'm not a big casino guy. Mm-hmm. I was always a sports book guy when I would go to Vegas every year with my buddies. 
It was just the sports book. I'd be there all day or at the pool. That's just what I did. Mm-hmm. Now it's here, and I can do it on my phone. I can do it in person. The Detroit sports books are wild. I had not been there uh, in person, but the pictures of them. I think mm-hmm. Ben's got a few of them for the viewing audience that they can just take a look. I mean, they're palatial. They're mm-hmm. up to anything. It just, I, I'm into this stuff, and even I'm not really up to speed on the business side of it. Like, can you talk a little bit about? What's going on? I, the numbers speak for themselves. I mean, I'm pulling this directly from your article. Michiganders bet more on sports in February than any other state's residents did in their first month of online betting. And you cited the figure, more than $300 million wagered in February. What the hell is going on in Michigan? It's crazy. I mean, the gambling industry was waiting for Michigan. It's been kind of a sleeping giant. Uh, there are now 20 states plus D.C. where it's legal. So Michigan is a sports-crazed state. You know that growing up here. I, I can't tell what your team is that, yeah. you're, that you're a fan of from, <laughs> a, from being in here. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's the, the industry has been waiting for it. There are bigger states out there. California and Texas and Florida and New York are just kind of out there waiting for the next couple of years. But everyone knew Michigan would be big. The pandemic is also obviously forcing people to be home. And uh, so when it went online and uh, you had the Super Bowl there in February, you had the 10 day lead up after January 22nd, where people were all kind of registered for those first 10 days. So March is going to be really big with March Madness, too. And then when football season picks up, it's it's going to be even bigger. So that 300 million is probably going to turn into 500 million a month come football season. So it's big and it's going to get bigger. That's what's incredible to me, because obviously you had the Super Bowl and I think, you know, the the conference championships, the the gambling was the very live first weekend. Yeah. yeah, it was like very mm-hmm. early on. But I mean, you said it this fall with college football season, mm-hmm. which you know we did, we totally missed with the gambling being legal. I think it's going to be wild. I mean, is it is it safe to say that these companies? consider themselves a resounding success in this state anyway so far. Yeah, I mean, the big ones, obviously. It's just kind of a four halves, and then the rest of them right now are relative have-nots, so they're, they're going to be making money in, at the end of the day too. But it's DraftKings, it's FanDuel, it's Barstool, and it's BetMGM right now, which are the big names here. They're the ones you see on TV all the time. Uh, Jamie Foxx feels like he's part of the family now. He's on TV so much with the BetMGM ads. So there's, there's all the different operators, and then there's the next tier of ones that are trying to catch up to and to me it's interesting to cover that stuff the horse race part of it in addition to uh people like yourselves who've been following sports your whole lives and maybe haven't been gambling but now they're figuring out okay what's a parlay uh what's the spread mean what's the money line mean uh how can i tease you know all these kind of things that maybe folks like you might have known about for a long time but it's all new here so the stuff we write about is is uh elementary at times, but also really in the weeds as far as the industry and the horse race business side of it too. The stuff that that has really stood out to me, like I happen to use uh, the DraftKings app. It's Mm -hmm. just kind of the one I chose from word of mouth and I've had zero issues with it other than I think their blackjack tables are rigged. That's a different story. <laughs> I don't know how you lose 12 hands in a row twice and don't win four hands in a row It happens once, in real blackjack, too. Trust we'll me. Get to, we'll get to your I blackjack. I was a blackjack dealer. We're getting to that. Yeah. Believe me, I promise mm-hmm. we're getting here because mm-hmm. I'm going to be asking you about that because I find like blackjack dealer, craps dealers, any of those stories fascinating because uh-huh. you always have stories. Yeah. But the biggest thing for me with these apps, at least the one I use, DraftKings, is convenience. Like, I remember in college, you know, I, I'm not that old, but I'm not that young either. You know, mm-hmm. I'm turning 34 in like two days. So, mm-hmm. but not that long ago, but I used um, 
It was called Bodog. Does that ring a bell? Heard Bo- of it. Yeah. Bodog.com. Mm-hmm. It yeah. wasn't even my account. It was my roommate's. And he was, I mean, a total degenerate. Like mm-hmm. betting, like just $5, $10, not big money. Was betting like 20 games, so 20 over unders during football season mm-hmm. a week. It was it was insane. And I remember I had a, a relatively, for a college kid, big win at the time. And I had to like scan my driver's license mail it to Zimbabwe, mm-hmm. and it was like this three-month process. Yeah, and you never it. know if you're going to get it. And I did, yeah. but mm-hmm. it was like, I mean, seriously, I, I, had to, chance. Like, yeah. I had to recite the Magna Carta like, <laughs> like backwards. Good thing you knew it. From yeah, right, yeah, right, right. Well, yeah, that's that Michigan State education. <laughs> but, um, you know, so it's just, it was such a pain. Now it's like, it's frighteningly easy. And this is what brings me to sort of my fear on the flip side. Not for myself, I can relatively easily control myself. Never mm-hmm. said I've never had an impulse, but relatively under control. I don't have a gambling problem, but I was talking about this with my dad, uh, who's sort of my sounding board for a lot of things. And, you know, we talk about the news all the time. And when this came out, he is a big craps player. He likes mm-hmm. to gamble on sports a little bit, but big craps player, blackjack player, not anti-gambling, not a moralist, loves the casino, has been going for years. He thinks it's actually a bad thing. And not because he's worried he's going to blow his his savings, mm-hmm. but because so many other people are because of the convenience of it, where you try to double, 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 and you go into the hole. I'm curious, just generally, obviously there's pros and cons, but if you had to put a grade on it or a, a, a verdict on it, is this a good thing for the state of Michigan? Yeah, I, I don't. We don't try to get into the the opinion of it. I, I hate to kind of skirt the question a little bit, but like you said, there's pros and cons, and there's obvious cons in it. Uh, responsible gambling is a is a real thing that we take very seriously. Problem gambling is is an issue in this country, and the more exposure you have, the more you're going to introduce it to the state. And there's a lot, a lot of ills that are going to come with it. Steen numbers where three to five percent of the population might be inclined to problem gambling. Now, if they're never exposed to it, that may never become an issue. But if you expose everyone to it, which you in large part basically are at this point, there's going to be problems. So it's something that the state, the operators, the players, the, uh, the the politicians, everyone needs to be taking very seriously. They are taking it seriously to some extent. But something that's nice about our website, Play Michigan, you know, we're inside the industry. We know all the players. We are very serious about this. It comes from the bottom, from the top down, the CEOs of our company, which is over in Malta headquartered, uh, the, the, our head of content, Dustin, uh, he is a very respected name in gambling and takes it very seriously and sets a very serious tone for our coverage. So we're not going to be, uh, touts out there telling you what to bet on first of all, but we're also going to be, uh, curbing our, articles and curbing our headlines and, and trying to approach this in a, a, a responsible way. And again, there's going to be problems. We need to be wary of them on a day-to-day basis. But the decision has been made by politicians and uh, that that this is a, a better course for action going forward for the state. And you know, we tend to agree as a company on that, obviously, but uh, we also know and take very seriously those cons and those things that could be pitfalls for our, for our state. See, that was a great answer. You're saying, I don't want to skirt the question, and then you give a 90-second soliloquy. It was beautiful. It was I host great. a podcast, too, so I know how to You're a talker keep too. the talking going. Yeah, yeah. see, I, yeah, and you do it solo, right? You do the, yeah. yeah. Well, my brother helps out quite a bit, but yeah, three and a half years of mostly solo. You're so. mostly talking to yourself. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm a big mouth, too, so I don't know. Maybe I'll let you get in a word in edgewise <laughs> since it is your interview after all. Yeah. No, no, I, I understand you're sort of balancing the pros and the cons. I'm very liberal on this t- type of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, a little less on drugs, but still it's kind of like 
people are going to do it. I'd rather it be controlled, that's, regulated, legal. It's the best point. Yep. It, it, right. And, and otherwise you're going to be, you know, in some back alley getting your thumbs broken by, you know, I don't know, Michael, you know, Jerome yeah. or something. Yeah, bookies, offshore sports books where you don't know what's going to happen. And, and there's no promise of safety, no promise of getting your money. And, and that's, that's a pretty important part of the whole yeah, transaction. Yeah, and you're, you're the You'd poor think. college kid. I, it was like it was like $300, which is a lot for me back sure. then. That's like that's like six months of I'd take $300 right now. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> now, but I mean, it's like it, it's like you know 3000 me now. Like yeah. At college, it's like a tenfold sort of sure. adjustment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, Bodog was a pain in the ass. I got it. But again, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not kidding. The Magna Carta thing was the only joke in there. Mm-hmm. Like, it was literally scanning my driver's license, filling out all these forms. And mm-hmm. so I, I just, I like that for everything has pros and cons. Like, let's get rid of cars. It would save right. lives, technically, yep. right? Mm-hmm. So everything is sort of a risk assessment, balance assessment, pros and cons. Obviously, the tax implications sure. for the state are great. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Like, what is, do you know? Have you studied that? What yeah. it means for the state? 8.4% tax rate for the sports betting. The uh, online casinos is more of a graduated tax rate between 20 and 28%. Uh, Brian Iden, who was the representative at the time who pushed the legislation for the past several years, he estimates that it could be $100 million of tax revenue for the state of Michigan, mature market, uh, just for the online gambling component of it. So that, that's huge, you know, and we're talking about a, a time when the state needs money more than ever. And uh, so, and you know, initial first year, even during a partial year with the pandemic going on, 20 plus million dollars, maybe $50 million. So big numbers in terms of tax revenue. Most of that, by the way, is coming from the online casino part of it, playing the blackjack on your phone, as opposed to the sports. Sports betting, it's so popular and it's so big and there's so much of it in your in your face watching games on TV, but uh, people might not realize that the, the tax money, especially at, at first, is gonna come from online casino. It's gonna continue to outpace online sports betting. Sports betting is kind of a low margin uh, and it's also a way for those companies to kind of cross sell into your your online casino products as well. So it's a really interesting industry. And when you look at all sides of it like that, but uh, yeah, the online casino part of it, uh, we're one of the only few states that has online casinos. The sports betting is getting around more. But I think when people see, especially the numbers, uh, Michigan, February, first full month, almost $80 million of revenue from uh, online casinos, not tax revenue. That was in more of the $14 million range. But for one month, $14 million of tax revenue from a new industry. I mean, that's huge. When I was newly 21, I went to Vegas. And first thing I did, I got the player's card. I thought I was really cool. And I I did play a little bit of blackjack, but I was playing just a ton of, uh, betting a ton of games. Mm-hmm. I just lived in the Mirage Sportsbook. And that's when I learned the hard way. I get to the end of the trip thinking, man, I must have racked up a ton of comps. <laughs> They do not give two hoots in hell about yeah. the sports betting. Like the, the the guy, the casino host guy told me, he's like, that means nothing to yeah. us. So I mean, mm-hmm. you talked about the margins. So it's just, a, go ahead. Go ahead. In the, the Detroit casino, as you mentioned, they are big sports books that are there. But those sports books, when they were designing the, the space and the casino floor, they had to fight for that space because each slot machine makes a lot of money for that casino. Each blackjack table makes a lot of money for that casino. And you want to make the sports betting amenity as nice as possible. If anyone's been to the three in downtown Detroit and the tribal casinos across the state as well, they are nice. They're very nice. But uh, they had to scratch and claw for a lot of that space because those are valuable pieces of property in those casinos. And they built them. I, I can always speak knowingly about MGM, but I think it's true for all of them. But they built them 
before it was legalized, right? Yeah. I mean, but not even before it went into effect, but before it was like voted on, but like any yeah. of that. Oh, they, they knew it was coming. It was yeah, this is very, very much years in advance. I think it was a, a regular sports bar for a little while before that too. They had the ticker with the the spreads and everything. They knew it was coming, but yeah, it, it's uh, we've had a, we have a gambling culture here in the state. Uh, the tribal casinos, you know, Soaring Eagle up in Mount Pleasant, they've been going since the nineties. Um, and then Detroit comes along with the, the three downtown casinos. So while sports betting became legal on a federal level across the country in 2018, Michigan was kind of pointed early on as this was going to be one of the states where it's going to be a pretty early adopter. Who's sort of kicking ass? I, I, you know, you can talk about the state level or the national level if there is any differentiation there. Are you familiar with kind of who's doing the best of, you know, FanDuel, Barstool? Yeah, FanDuel's number one uh, okay. nationally and, and locally as well. They're number one in the state. Uh, BetMGM's second. I'm just as talking sports betting here. Right. Uh, and then DraftKings is three. But those three are, are all very close. Barstool is a, is a little bit of a distant fourth on the February numbers. Now, when I talk about ranking them in the numbers, that's handle. That means how many bets, how much money in bets are being placed. Uh, the Barstool guys would argue that those first 10 days of January, they were maybe doing a little bit better than that ranking because they were their revenue was a little bit better, the take that they make there. So there's a lot of different ways to look at it. There's gross revenue. There's adjusted revenue. When you pull out some of the promos that they give away too, they can write off that as tax credits as well. So there's, there's different ways of looking at it, but we prefer inside the industry. It's, it's handle, it's an apples and apples comparison. So FanDuel is the one. And if you, you know, FanDuel, DraftKings, BetMGM, and especially FanDuel and BetMGM, if you're watching games like we all are in March right now, those are the ones you see spending the advertising. Yes. Those are the ones giving you the free bets. You do this, you get a free bet. William Hill and points bet coming up really strong in that middle tier these days too. If, if, if some people are looking for some, some deals out there, and I know they probably are. Um, I think that those are two companies to take a look at as well. Uh, I don't endorse ones, but I can tell you what's good and what is maybe a little bit lacking in some of the the different operators. And, and those are ones that are spending money. And, and in this industry, the, the, the trend is that you got to spend money up front to get the customer acquisition. And then on the back end, not only are you going to be able to win the sports betting game, maybe uh, squeeze out uh, the market share of your mid to smaller companies in there, but you're also going to be able to cross sell some of that casino. The poker is going to be coming in bet MGM just launched poker yesterday as we tape this here. So uh, there's opportunities down the road. Michigan's always going to have sports, going to always care about the sports betting. And I think that gambling culture, which again, we got to check and we got to watch out for, but it's only going to grow here. It's interesting because like I mentioned, I have DraftKings and I, I have not placed that many bets or a super high amount on these. I mean, you know, I'm not going to say how much, sure. but not $5,000 or anything like that. And they reached out to me a couple weeks ago saying that I was a member of their VIP team and that I get to pick a free gift. Now, I got out a magnifying glass to read the fine print, mm -hmm. but there was none. I called them and said, is this real? I'm just like convinced I'm getting scammed by some guy in Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. It was actually a legitimate thing. It's a link, and it had like 40 different things I could choose from, and they were all like $500 retail value, mm -hmm. like all of them. I mean, like it was like a top-end Apple Watch. The thing we ended up choosing was like this really fancy espresso machine. Mm -hmm. I went on Amazon. It's like five hundred and seventy-five dollars. Mm -hmm. They just gave it was there like the next day. It was mm -hmm. like it was like thirty-six hours later. It was there. It's just it's such an arms race for bodies. I'm curious. Like we're friends with the Woodward Sports guys, mm -hmm. new network in Birmingham. I don't know. You yep. may not be familiar with them. Familiar, yeah. yeah, they're very very fresh. Mm -hmm. um, 
they're sponsored heavily by my bookie. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the fuck my bookie is. Mm-hmm. I have no idea. Offshore sports book. Yeah. It's offshore. Mm-hmm. So they're like, but just one example. But I'm curious, like, do you think these smaller guys, how do they compete? Because I, I, I see them on Woodward Sports. I don't see them on ESPN. Like, yeah. It's, are they, you, are they viable? Yeah. You got to find your niche. I mean, I, I, if I knew what the market was going to do, then I, then I would be, uh, you know, that'd be your feelings on it. Your read on it. Yeah. No um, one knows. No, it's, it's a good, it's a good question. I think that it eventually is going to consolidate. I think that you're going to find that, uh, that there's going to be winners and there's going to be losers. Now that said, there might be some acquisitions involved there. So, uh, we'll see how that all kind of shakes down. Keep keeping in mind that, points bet which is a mid-tier one and i think number five the highest of the others uh, behind that top four there's 12 sports betting operators right now in the state of michigan will eventually be 15 probably by the end of the year there's 15 licenses so that's the the max cap right now but points bets huge in australia so it's a it's a company that's coming overseas here it's new to the u.s market william hill is synonymous with gambling in the united kingdom they're coming over here they're doing all this stuff so as these companies get more into the U.S. market, it'll be interesting to see what their strategy is, first of all, how it works, and what kind of money that they need to make for them to consider it a success, right? If you're not spending as much in promos and advertising, then maybe being sixth, being seventh in Michigan is profitable, and that's fine. And, and these pump, these companies are public, so a lot of them are public. They're going public. Uh, they're making a lot of money. You see these stock prices going up. I'm sure you've at least heard about what's going on with DraftKings and Penn National over these this last Don't year. Don't talk about Penn. I sold Penn at $16. <laughs> at oh, 16 yeah. Now, yeah. I made a Probably lot of money. closed about 112 today. I yeah, Thank you. I told you not. I, <laughs> no, no, I bought it. Was, it's still a happy story because I bought it when it went to like seven. Uh-huh. So I, I, made, I made a ton of money on it, but. Yeah, not a happy ending. Yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's it, I guess. And, and that's just all speculation, and it's just kind of this belief that everything's going to continue to grow, and and there's there's credence to that, of course. And I'm not also not a stock expert, but uh, yeah, I mean, how these companies all kind of shake down, and and whether you have to see, you know, you're starting to see more ads for William Hill on yep. TV. You're starting to see Barstool kind of reverse course a little bit. First of all, that viral marketing that they were doing the first weekend, Portnoy's doing. Uh, pizza reviews all over East Lansing and all that stuff across the state, staying at Greek Town. But now you're seeing that ad where they're yelling you on TV. My dad says he turns that ad off every time. But the with Portnoy and Big Cat yelling at you, um, you're seeing more uh, the points bet stuff. You can't Red Wings. They're on the, on the ice uh, for that. Um, you know, BetMGM's always been focused on Michigan as a really important market for them and one that they've. Uh, identified early, spent a lot of money on, and have done really well. They're number one in online casino in addition to being number two in online sports betting. So uh, it's it's fascinating to me. I, I would encourage everyone, if, if you're even a quarter interested in how deep we get and how deep we're getting into this, some of the stuff, playmichigan.com. We're staying like all over this stuff. And to me, and you know, the sports teams other than March are, are pretty bad. I don't know if you've noticed here in the state of Michigan, but watching the horse race of, of what the strategies are with the different companies who had a good month when the revenue report comes out, who had a rough one. Uh, I'm enjoying watching that as much as uh, any other uh, Detroit sports these days. I, and I highly recommend your site again, playmichigan.com. And you know, we're pretty good friends here with Chad Livengood, who I are my best friends. You, you know, you know, everybody. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's been. I do his, know everybody. He so. seems that way. Mm-hmm. Every name I threw out there, it's like, oh yeah, I know him. I had dinner with him last week. That's College you. buddy of mine. Yeah. Really? Yeah, Chad. we went to Central. I knew he was a chip, yeah. but uh, 
Oh, good for you. Chad's an awesome guy. I used to be his boss in the college newspaper, so I taught him everything he knows. See, I'm wife. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Good for, good for you. Yeah. Chad's Chad's the man. I, I have said on record, and he always thinks I'm just like stroking his ego when he's in here, but I tell everybody, I think he's the best working journalist in the state of Michigan right now. Mm-hmm. Just He's I agree with that. phenomenal. Just his coverage on the pandemic has just been uh, outstanding. Mm-hmm. His coverage in Lansing before he jumped to Cranes Detroit was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. But the reason I bring him up and Cranes Detroit business specifically is you guys sort of have that vibe. I, I, I only mm-hmm. read your work, but mm-hmm. I read quite a bit of it in the last 72 hours. You have sort of a Cranes Detroit of gambling vibe. Is yeah. that fair? Is that kind yeah, of absolutely. You're going for? I mean, we're always going to stick. That's our, uh, the online gambling industry is kind of our bread and butter. That's that's what we do. That's what I do on a day to day basis. But we're going to be evolving as as a website, and I'll be. In, we are watching the numbers. What are people reading? What are people interested in? This will be the first football season that online sports betting will be available. So certainly, we're writing about the Lions and Michigan and Michigan State football. But what do people want to read? So you know, reach out to me. Let me know first of all. But it, the work will will show for what people want to read. We're going to be an evolving site. Uh, we're, we're talking about starting up another a, a Play Michigan podcast as well, something like that, some sort of digital component with the site. So now that we got through launch, I mean, I got hired in April and I was freelancing for, uh, last April, well before that too. It was a year of the pandemic of just kind of when is it going to launch? When is it going to launch? When is it going to launch? January 22nd, it happens. And as a site, we're going to stick around. I'm not going anywhere. PlayMichigan.com is going to keep growing and be getting better and better and, and adding people and all that good stuff. But we're going to kind of adjust on the fly to what people are looking for. And, and you know, some of the newspapers, Cranes, the Detroit News, doing a good job with their coverage of it as well on a, on a little bit more of a surface level, which is completely understandable. But we've got the resources. We've got some people. We, we're going to figure out what people want to read and uh, and we're going to come through with that. And I, and I promise you, it's going to be something worth reading. I'll tell you right now, I want some stories on parlays. Mm-hmm. So how do you parlay? And, and one no, thing we I, don't, I don't do, one thing we don't really do is a lot of tips. I don't care about that. Uh-huh. I don't care. That's not what I mean. I, I want to talk about the psychology of parlays, why people do them, the the math behind it. Cause I think they're sucker bets. I never yeah. do them except for five bucks for fun. Well, then check out the the promos on the sites and and, and uh, that's what they want you to bet. Yeah, because right? it's, stu- it's a stupid parlay bet. insurance, yeah. uh, first period insurance on, on that kind. Of, so I think it's uh, it's and it, but it's the easiest one to get the first time betters on, right? It's the uh, bet a little, win a yeah, lot, right? Right. That's that's the psychology of that. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm in like three different. You know, my my buddy Mike Solvin, a longtime producer for mm-hmm. Mike Filani, is yep. running at one of these Facebook groups with a bunch of gamblers and. You know, it's like everyone posts their screenshot of, hey, what do you think of this bet? It's fucking never just a straight bet <laughs> ever. Or it's not even like a two-team parlay or a three-team. It's always a six, yeah. seven, eight-team parlay. And look, I don't care what anyone does with their money. Yeah. I and You know, I've done parlays before, but I'm talking like five bucks. Like, right. I, there's no way I would put – these guys are betting like $100, uh, you know, three-team parlay pay six to one. Some of them are 16 parlays for 50 bucks. It's like, just light it on fire, man. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, or you can hedge it. You know, I mean, there's, there are. See, you're already educated. Yeah, that there are ways to, I mean, I mean, again, do what you want with your money. And we're not going to give you gambling advice, but you're right. I mean, there's, there's a reason that these operators are offering parlay boosts and, and, yeah. and parlays to get you kind of, you know, win one and, and, oh, this is my new thing. And, and like you said, the, 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 the 14 team parlay is, is, I don't give gambling advice, and we don't at Katana Media and, and PlayMichigan.com, but the 14-team parlay, I think we can all kind of agree. 
I, probably I, not gonna hit. I've seen some twelves. I've seen some twelve. <laughs> I haven't seen anyone post a fourteen. I've seen like a bunch of twelves, but yeah. it's crazy. So go for it, I guess. So I want to transition to this. I was prepping for the show, as you know, we talked about it a little bit off the air, thinking we're doing an hour on Michigan sports gambling, and I could go for five hours on gambling because I love it and I find it interesting. But I stumbled into other work you've done, completely unrelated. And I had to jump on it. I want to talk about this. You produced a documentary about Imani Bates, Mm -hmm. the phenom, the Michigan State commit, the basketball prodigy that hails from Ipsy, Ypsilanti. Mm -hmm. And I was intrigued right away. I mean, this this is in my wheelhouse. You're in a Spartan den, as you can probably Mm -hmm. see. You have Paul Bunyan staring at you as Mm -hmm. we speak. It looks great. I, I told you off the air, I'm fascinated by this kid. I, look, I am the biggest sort of anti-recruiting guy in the world. Not that I don't think it matters. Mm-hmm. It's critically important. But I can't, just can't obsess. The fascination. The, the fascination, yeah. I, I think, look, I don't care. You do what you do. I'm into some weird shit, too. Mm-hmm. I just, <laughs> I, I can't on. hang on the word. <laughs> you know, it's what, these 16-year-olds, I don't let them ruin my day. This is the exception. Mm-hmm. I find this kid fascinating. Yeah. I break my own rules. I, bre- I have a long list of rules. I break every, every one of them. When it comes to this kid, I'm fascinated by him. And you came out with this documentary, I believe, December of 2019. It was January of last year. So right before, right before the world went to shit. Basically. Yeah, a couple months. So yeah. it, it was called Ipsy's Imani. Mm-hmm. And I watched it for the first time all the way through last night. And uh, great job, by the way. Now Thank it's you. 20 minutes. Ex- short doc. Yep. Short doc. It's mm-hmm. accessible on Vimeo for free, right? Yep, absolutely. I'm not like, you know. No, no, yeah. Pulling any Please do food yeah. off your table or anything yeah. like that. Just Google it if you want. Ipsy's Imani is, is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play a quick little clip from that and that'll set us up. So this is a clip from Ipsy's Imani. While his six foot nine frame could use more bulk as bigger battles beckon, there was nothing timid about Bates during his freshman season. Welcome to Ypsilanti, Michigan, otherwise known as Ipsy, for a story about a prep phenom primed to break the mold. That's right. ESPN has ranked Ipsy's Amani Bates as the number one recruit nationally for the 2022 class. Early indications are that when the real bright lights come on, the Ipsy kid will be ready. Well, so I'm fired up as a Michigan State guy, and even though there's a 10% chance of him actually landing in East Lansing, we'll get to that later, that was one of many clips from the documentary. I watched it, I pulled that clip, and I said, Ben, that has to be in there. You think this kid's going to be ready. The reason he's so interesting to me is because, unlike so many other kids out there that won't shut the hell up ever, they, they won't shut up. They're, everything There's 72 uh, edits of them in different uniforms and things like that. They, they just love it. He's very loosely on social media. He's very vague. He's very inaccessible. You are one of the few, one of the only, to peek behind the curtain. And frankly, more than peek, you had a sit-down interview with him and his dad, who's equally enigmatic yeah. as far as I'm mm-hmm. concerned. What is this kid like? You've sat across from him. You've interacted with him. There's rumors that he has attitude problems. We'll get into that later. But what is he like? What's the kid like? He's a teenager. You know, he's growing into what he's going to be. Uh, you watch him play, and a lot of people, because they haven't had a chance to talk to him much, and he is a soft-spoken kind of a, a shy kid when you talk to him. So. There's not a whole lot to glean, and that's not, not a criticism, but we were all uh, shy kids at one point. And I think that, um, you know, he, he's, it's, it's hard to put it in a box in terms of what he is. But when, he, when he's playing, I mean, he's, 
He's obviously outstanding. He's deserving of all the the accolades and all the uh, unfair, too fair at some levels expectations that are on him. So yeah, we sat down with him, and uh, I think what's interesting about what's evolved since the the documentary that we put out is that there's probably not going to be another independent documentary about Imani Bates. I mean, it was just kind of, we hit it at the right time. We went to some games, independent as as could be. A friend of mine, Greg DeLiso, who uh, was kind of the engine between, behind the whole thing, filmmaker out in California now who was living uh, here, grew up here and, and grew up uh, around uh, us as well. So we went there, uh, got talked to the AD, talked to EJ before games and said, hey, is it all right if we get some footage? It wasn't like a guerrilla style or anything like that. And, uh, and talked to EJ a little bit uh, on the side and just kind of said, you know, we'd like to put a little project together. We're guys that work as freelancers and and kind of put together art. And, and we wanted to uh, to put something together on your son, if you wouldn't mind. And, and we'll we'll talk about it as it evolves. And he asked for something that would be kind of a gift to Ypsilanti, a gift to where he grew up, a gift to where uh, Imani grew up as well. And uh, we did that. We took it very seriously. Uh, you saw from the clip that it's not just about Imani Bates. It's also about the city of Ypsilanti, looking ahead to what could be ahead for him, the past of this of Washtenaw County, a little area there. So, I mean, I thought it, was, it went really well. I'm very proud of it. Um, and it's just really interesting to see how things have evolved in that year plus since now he's got his own school going, uh, Michigan State, G League, NBA is all this stuff that's out there that's uh, arm's length uh, coming right in front of us. Brennan Quinn of The Athletic, I'm sure you read his great article a couple of weeks back, has kind of probably, that might be Ipsy Imani, Ipsy Zimani part two, a uh, more detailed version of what's going on since then. And uh, yeah, it's a fascinating story. And I'm with you. Uh, I can't get enough of, uh, of seeing this kid because it's, it's where we grew up, right? It's where we, we know this place. We know Southeast Michigan and uh, to have the names of LeBron and Durant be thrown around about one of these guys is, uh, is really fascinating. And uh, I'm cheering for, it. I know that for sure. You know, you mentioned Brendan Quinn, who we talked about Chad Lyman. Good. I said, is the best journalist in the state of Michigan. I think Brendan Quinn is maybe the best sports writer in the country. Yeah. Just the writing is just uh, right. Is right. As a, as a technical writer, not, not mm-hmm. to impugn his reporting or anything like that, but mm-hmm. just a brilliant storyteller. Yep. He's phenomenal. Here's why I disagree with what you said. You said his piece was like Ipsy Zamani part two. I, I I totally disagree on this ground. He didn't have your access. And he's mm-hmm. actually talked about it on podcasts subsequently that he would be sitting there like 20 yards away from Imani and not allowed to talk to him. Mm-hmm. He was he was not allowed to speak with him. And Imani's not on the record in that story. Mm-hmm. That was a 5,000-word story that I enjoyed very much. It was a Quinn piece. Of course, it was yeah. well done. Mm-hmm. He did the best he could. It is not the access you had. I, I still haven't seen anybody touch your level of access. I mean, other than his dad, mm-hmm. like you've, you've talked to the guy more than anybody in the last three years. It just, do you buy, did you get any of the vibe that he's arrogant, entitled? Cause that's, I, I don't know. I don't know the kid, but that's what people say. And I, I, I have no idea. It's, it's hard to get a, a read from it. It was an interview. We were, we were at the gym and I've spent some time around him. I don't want to overstate how much I've, I've been around him and talked to him, but you know, he's, 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 it was questions. It was on camera. It was uh, that kind of thing. I think you could check out the doc and maybe kind of judge on your own for how, how you think he kind of comes off. He knows he's, he's a, he's a Monty Bates and he knows that people are talking about, he was already on sports illustrated. At that you know, point, I mean, yeah. so, I mean, this is, this is not you and I playing high school hoops or whatever it is, you know, it's um, I, I think at some level you have to have some level of arrogance to be that talented and to be that good and to have that 
amount of stuff thrown at you, you know, obviously it's a balancing act. And if it becomes problematic at some point in within a team setting, uh, then then you got maybe an issue. But uh, talent overcomes a lot of that stuff. And uh, I mean, I, I think he's a good kid. I don't see an issue with uh, from what I've seen and what I've known. And of course, I've talked to other people about him as well. Uh, I don't think there's a reason to believe that this is going to go off the rails. I think he's uh, on the court, very competitive, uh, a bit of a hothead, takes things personally. You dunk on me, I'm going to try to dunk on you. And that might be at the detriment of the team. But we're talking about Bates Fundamentals AAU team or Ipsy Prep Academy fairly inconsequential basketball uh, when all is said and done. I mean, if we're talking about the NBA playoffs someday and it becomes a mano a mano type of thing and it's and it's and it's maybe not to the to the uh, the the progress of the team, that might become an issue, but uh, I I don't think you know, Kobe Bryant was Kobe Bryant, and that's Amani Bates's hero because of how he was, right? And Amani kind of fashions himself after that. Everyone talks about his game being like Durant with the length and the skills and the shooting, but the mentality is Kobe. And, and at some level, was Kobe Kobe or was he doing a, an impersonation of Michael Jordan? Uh, with Bates, that will probably be something that gets talked about storyline with him as time goes on. But, you know, they'd be talking about guys like Kevin Durant, the mentality of Kobe, the versatility of a, of a LeBron James. It's a good starting point. And I think it's, uh, it's going to be fascinating. And I think he's at the very least, going to have a very good NBA career. Well, just as a Spartan fan, I mean, we're, you're already fast forwarding into the NBA, which makes me very sad because <laughs> I, I want to focus on the you four know. championships at, in, at MSU. I, I, I well, get four. I don't know. <laughs> uh, if he's on campus for you know six months, I'll, I'll be thrilled. But you know, I'm I'm curious to see where he lands if he does come to East Lansing, how it goes because you're talking about oh he's competitive and I'll dunk on you because you dunked on him. Oh, I'll put my armor on that all day. That's mm-hmm. wonderful. I'm mm-hmm. not. I'm not worried about that. I watched his nationally televised game against Chet Holmgren. And mm-hmm. Kid played no defense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And I know no one on his team played any defense either. There's the reports out there, unconfirmed but seemingly credible from multiple people I know that he got Jaden Akins, another Michigan State commit, thrown off the team because Akins didn't pass in the ball in practice. I mean, it just if he gets to East Lansing. Do you think that, and I know you don't know, but mm-hmm. your vibe from having been around him, his dad, sort of, do you think he can fit in and be coached by maybe the most intense coach in college basketball in Tom Izzo? He has a lot of respect for Tom Izzo. He has a lot of respect for the Michigan State program. That's always been the school that he was going to go to. It became official on that Sports Center uh, day in June there. But it's, it's, just, it's just hard to place the Ipsy Prep Academy and Bates Fundamental AAU of Monty Bates into that college setting. I'm an optimist, generally speaking, especially like a young man that I'm rooting for, a young man that I know a little bit. So I'm going to say he's going to fit into the team setting just fine and be a leader. And you don't go play for Tom Izzo. You don't watch Tom Izzo unless you know you're getting full Tom Izzo. And if, if he ends up at East Lansing someday, and uh, we'll see how that shakes down, I, I suspect it won't happen that he won't play at Michigan State. But uh I think it would be Tom in Tom's best interest, especially how these last several years have gone, given the Izzo uh, bar that has been set uh, and how Imani Bates would likely be there just one season if he's there. I think that they could both kind of use each other to, for Imani, take a huge thing and send it into the stratosphere and uh, for Izzo to kind of maybe, this is a great chance to, to get that second championship that, that could be out there. And I, I'm, yeah, this is sort of the passionate argument. It seems like Michigan fans in particular 
are always on the, oh, he should go to the G League. It's like, well, I wonder why you think that. I wouldn't want to play against him either. Mm -hmm. I'm on the side of, for one year, I think Zion Williamson going to Duke was extraordinarily beneficial. I think that- Helped the the brand. Yeah, helped the brand. He was on national TV. He would have never had that big of a profile playing 25 games in the G League or Spain or wherever. I think it was good for him. I think it would be good for Imani Bates. The goatee slanted. It's not just my selfish interest. I mean, you saw the first thing when you walked down to my basement. I have a signed basketball by the guy. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to wish it into existence, <laughs> but you know, I don't know. I, I just I think it would be good for him. What I think is interesting with the Amani Bates story is because we watched the NCAA tournament, and the NCAA and college sports are kind of turning on their head right now. In a lot of ways, players are grabbing a little bit of that power slowly, maybe even a little bit slower than I I've anticipated that it would happen, and. You're right. He could go to Michigan State and build that brand, but there are forces outside of uh, the NCAA, outside of Michigan State. The NBA and the power brokers of the NBA may have a little bit more of a vested interest in turning this G League select team into a bigger deal, right? Because if you know it was the bubble, it was the first time they did the G League select team. So that's one thing. And but as uh, as some of those guys grow, as Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga possibly become Rookie of the Year candidates, maybe for the Detroit Pistons over these next couple of years, then the profile of that gets raised a little more. People pay attention to that a little more. And hey, here's another revenue stream for the NBA if people start caring about the G League a little bit. So if Amani Bates goes to that situation for one year, and it's a little bit more of a normal year where you're traveling around and getting some gates in there, some eyeballs on him as well in places like. Erie, Pennsylvania, Grand Rapids, and and, and the like, uh, that changes the dynamic of that league. So, you know, does March Madness need Amani Bates to draw eyeballs? Well, they're still going it just with Sister, G- Sister Jean as the number one star of the NCAA tournament. So can, can he create a whole kind of new market and then every next player will want to be the next Amani Bates and he could be the first guy who turned that from that to – NBA All-Star in a year or two. So uh, I think there's forces, and, and not just, you know, what would Adam Silver think? What would World Wide West think? What would Nike think? What would what would all these huge entities outside of it? And not to say you're wrong, there's a lot to be said for going and playing for Tom Izzo and being a legend for the Michigan State fan base, being a legend in the state of Michigan uh, more than he could be and already is. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there are forces that are different than even when a when a Chris Weber was deciding what he was going to do in college. And, and, there, and it, two years from now, a year from now, it might even be more different than that. I'm not denying the presence of these forces. When there's money involved, you're going to get the power play, you know, uh, power players involved. But here's where I, I deviate a little bit from your take on it. Maybe they will develop that G League. Maybe it blows up. It's not going to blow up to the point of being anywhere near college basketball sure. in the fall. Because I assume Imani, if he is ever going to come to Michigan State, would reclassify. That's my assumption. I don't know. I don't have any inside information. I would assume he would be there next year. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, the G League, even if it is going to pop, I don't think it's going to be next year. Right. And, you know, I think his time right now in, in the place that we're in right now, they can't compare to the exposure he would get at Michigan State. Maybe five years that'll change. I mean, you even mentioned that does March Madness really need Imani Bates? Yes and no. I mean, no, but you said, you know, Sister Jean was captivating the nation. The the studies are out there, uh, and the numbers are out there on the ratings. Mm-hmm. When those upsets happen, everyone loves them in the moment. When Butler played in the national championship game, especially in 2011, their second go-around in the back-to-back years, nobody watches, relatively speaking. Mm-hmm. People want to see Michigan State, UNC, University of Michigan, mm-hmm. Duke, 
Kentucky. That's who really watches. So do they need him to survive to be successful? No. Would it be to everyone's benefit, including theirs? Yeah, he is a needle mover, and those programs, him specifically at Michigan State, is a needle mover. Like these kids that go to DePaul. I just, <laughs> I, okay, they're probably, there's something going on there if you're going to DePaul. But, you know, they're, they're in the abyss. So there is a difference between going to the G League in Michigan State or even DePaul versus Michigan State mm-hmm. or Duke or U of M. It's just they are a brand. Now, back it up to your documentary. Again, I watched it. I wanted to pull a couple of clips. I, I cut back from four to two. <laughs> there was one that really stood out to me. And you talked about, you mentioned Kobe already. I want to play this for the audience. And I want to talk a little bit about his attitude. This was right on the heels of them winning the state title in the freshman year that you were yep. covering. And he is back in the gym like the next day. So let's play that, Ben. EJ said he would try to keep Amani out of the gym for a week or two, hang out with friends. Study geometry. Uh, okay. <laughs> I've been trying to stay away, but it's hard, especially when I don't got nothing to do. That's all I like to do is hoop, so. Take a day off, Monty. No, let's go to the gym. Okay, Monty, let's go. So, I mean, there you go. The, <laughs> the, guy, the guy should be out. I mean, if it were me, I'd be at, like, you know, some keg party even as a freshman in high school. <laughs> uh, sorry, Mom. But, uh, yeah, the guy's shooting hoops. They had to yeah. lock the door to get him out of there and try to throw him out. Nothing from everything I've heard about that was staged. Oh, I mean, no. they could they yeah. could have easily like said, oh, I had to throw him out of the gym. That's this kid, yeah. right? I mean, that's sort of the killer instinct, I think. That that to me was the biggest takeaway, that he will succeed. Mm-hmm. I mean, did, did you get that vibe? This oh, guy's yeah. just a killer? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's I mean, it, whether the on-court persona is, uh, you know, is, is that, is a little bit of a persona at times. That remains to be seen, but yeah, the, the, I mean, he's playing basketball all day long, and um, and and that's that's what they do. I mean, they have a twelve-person school that is basketball players, right? MC Prep Academy right now, so that's their life. That's his life right now, and uh, and EJ is trying to keep it that way, right? He's controlling it. He he admits it. He's he's controlling it, uh, the situation, and uh, and I think he's he, there's no blueprint for this. I think he's doing the best he can, and and in a lot of ways, very successful. And the pandemic throws everything for a loop as well. But uh, he's controlling the situation and letting Imani play. And uh, he's turning into quite a player. So obviously they're doing something right. You know, EJ, for those that don't know or didn't pick it up, is uh, Imani Bates' dad. Yeah. What was your take on him? Because I've heard sort of the same stuff with him. A you know, mm-hmm. weird guy, kind of controlling, um, egomaniac. Again, this uh, is all like third, fourth hand. No, I don't know. I, I, like, I like EJ. Uh, again, the biggest thing about him is there's no blueprint. Right. So there's no, you know, the figure skating phenom, whatever it is, the Venus and Serena thing. Uh, it's you, you got to figure it out on your own. You want to at some level when he's a, maybe a teenager, the, the the fascinating seventh grader who is scoring 50 points in junior high games. It's nice to get that story out. It's nice to kind of reward your kid with something. But uh, there's a lot of people in AAU that are trying to get you to do this, get you to do this. Well, they started their own team, right? They started their own program, and now they started their own school. And I watched a lot of those games. The, the, the documentary is about the freshman year, but the sophomore year that was cut short, um, it was it's tough. And and I played, and at a, at a teammate of mine who went and played Division One, six foot ten center that was a very skilled guy that went and played at Eastern, but it's, it's tough to be that skilled player very good player and go up against guys like me who are just out there playing high school basketball. Right. And you could have people running at you and people trying to hurt you or people's 
most important thing that they'll do their entire basketball career is that one time they took you one-on-one from the top of the key. So that's that's not a great environment for him to be progressing his game, game in and game out. Uh, you know, the, the students uh, chanting whatever they're going to chant. It's the biggest game of uh, the, the student council's day as well. So I, I just didn't think that that was a great environment for him to be in. And uh, so, so they've kind of controlled it. And I, and, I, and I give EJ a lot of credit for that, even dealing with us. He wanted to know what we were doing. We were very upfront about it. He wanted to talk uh, and make it a positive thing for uh, the city and, and the team and everything. And, and I thought it was. Uh, but again, this was the, one of the last things that he wasn't controlling. He didn't have rights to edit it or anything like that. So we we put it out there. There's some things in that documentary, if you check it out, where uh, we throw the word, word, is he overrated out there after we saw him play kind of a rough game. So there's there's it's not it's a little bit of a critical eye. Uh, they win the the district championship, and there's some amazing footage that Greg Deliso got. That's like, okay, everyone's celebrating. There's this big uh, group of guys, and and the students are in there as well. And he's kind of to the side, disappointed that he didn't have a very good game individually. So uh, that kind of control is uh, is something that you know EJ might have saw some of that stuff and says, okay, I gotta make sure we kind of rein this in a little bit. So he's doing the best he could. He played basketball professionally overseas as well. He, he was a talented guy. He knows the area. He grew up, uh, played in Milan and also Ann Arbor Pioneer as well. So uh, he's doing the best he can and, uh, and and not using his son or anything like that, but also trying to put everything on its head and have the, the Bateses kind of run the show. And right now I think they're, they're doing that to, to, with success. The the segment you just mentioned where they're all celebrating in a mosh pit at center court and the, the fans, you know, the students are out there, the teammates. That was actually one of the cuts that we made that I wanted to include mm-hmm. that clip for the exact reason you laid out. I thought that was so telling and, and you know, there's some good and bad. Like, yeah. I, I, but I have to like, you know, you're tiptoeing, in the minefield a little bit because you know they what was he like fourteen at yeah the he was time? the time fifteen yeah. <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. you know so how much do you want to microanalyze this kid like do you realize what the sh- the shit brain I was at that <laughs> age it's like you know who am I to sit here in judgment of him I mean he's probably more mature than I am now oh, of course yeah um, so don't say of course but uh, <laughs> I didn't I didn't say I didn't I didn't know you were gonna finish that with now right. back then yeah right. yeah so don't break those ankles on that backpedal man <laughs> so no but <laughs> if you watch the clip and I again just check it out Ipsy Zamani. It's really telling because he looks like he just got dumped by his girlfriend on the eve of the prom and everyone else is just bouncing up and down because he had not played well in that win. They sort of won, not despite him, but certainly not because of him. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it's, there is some concern there, I guess. Like, you know, I like that he's competitive and is mad at himself, but at the same time, like, Hey man, like don't be the only one not celebrating. It was a little, a little eye opening. Again, the guy's like 14, so we don't have to get too worried <laughs> about it. I want to finish with Imani on this. You mentioned right up front in the documentary, you give sort of your background on you grew up with your dad, seeing these guys, Mike mm-hmm. Chappelle who went to Duke and then Michigan State later on, Chris Weber. You mentioned some of the guys. I mean, one of them was Rashad Phillips, mm-hmm. you know, who was uh, what, Ferndale, right? From, Ferndale from, High. From, from Ferndale yeah, High. Yeah. So you saw some of the legends coming up and obviously you saw Imani Bates. Where does he, I mean, Chris Weber is probably the best name on there. Where does he stack up? I mean, is he at the Chris Weber level? Is he better? You saw both guys play at this stage. Yeah, I mean, the way he took over that f- freshman year, keep in mind, uh, when Breslin against UD Jesuit, uh, the state finals, biggest stage you can be at in Michigan high school basketball, and the way that he just kind of willed that thing to happen. And there was a couple of D1 kids out there for the Cubs as well. So it's it's just as good. I mean, Chris, I mean, when you talk about Chris Weber and Imani Bates, I mean, these are what the two best high school basketball players in Michigan 
high school basketball history. So, uh, and maybe the Glenn Rice people are going to put an argument about that, but it's as good as it gets. I mean, I, I was impressed and I wanted to be impressed. You go there hoping to see the best kind of show you can get and you get it. Uh, so, I mean, I'd, I'd put them at one, a one B with Chris Weber. Um, you know, and, and I actually had the, the good fortune of covering some other great high school basketball players that turn into NBA guys at the tournament of champions down in Springfield, Missouri, when I was a preps, uh, reporter down there, saw some great players uh, playing in some of those things. Julius Randle was the number one player in the country when he was down there uh, playing as well. So uh, a lot of great players that I've seen over the years, and, and Amani's just as good as any of them. And if you had to pin me down, and I, I would say, yeah, he's he's the the best high school basketball player I've ever seen. And and you know, for the record, despite the Spartan uh, tech decorations that uh, surround you. Chris Weber's one of my favorite athletes mm-hmm. ever. I w- just loved his game, absolutely loved his game. You know, the knock on him was, and it was valid, coming from one of his biggest fans here, I have his ridiculous 84 Pistons jersey. <laughs> the knock on him was hot potato at the end of the game. Yep. Didn't want the ball. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously the timeout thing has been beaten to death. You can almost forgive the college sophomore making a mistake. The guy was a nine-year, you know, in his ninth year in the NBA and was still had wanted nothing to do with the ball yep. at the end. If he, if Imani Bates is Chris Weber level talent, even if he's 92% as good as Chris Weber on a pure talent standpoint, but has a killer instinct where he wants the ball, he wants to dunk on you, he fears no man, you're talking about upper, upper level edge of LeBron type impact in the NBA. I don't think that's insane, right? I'm not the only one that's in that basket. Yeah, I mean, he's got the the drive and the tenacity and the will to get better and the will to win games, and and that's important. I mean, we, we talk about that with these really talented guys that we see come through college and, and through the NBA. It's like, do they really want it? You know, and it's it's a little bit of an abstract criticism at times, but Imani's not going to have that question. There's not going to be any question about whether he wants the ball at the end of the game. He wants the ball at the end of the game. He wants to be the one dictating whether you win or lose. And uh, a lot of t- a lot of times that's going to work out really well for the team that has Imani Bates on it, for sure. Uh, talent and drive is a hell of a combination, and he mm-hmm. checks both boxes. We'll finish with him here. You said you're betting against him landing in East Lansing. Yeah. Percent chance that he <laughs> goes there. Uh, how well, How much are you betting it's against? Not, it's not too small. I mean, it's it's not under 10%, I wouldn't say. So I'd, I'd put it at, you know, one in five, something like that. 20%, uh, 20, huh? 20% is yeah. good. That'd be nice. I could live with that. I, you know, it's whatever. There's certain people out there. Oh, he's going to ruffle feathers up there. He's going to cause a problem. You know what? Take the chance. I, I don't. I don't see a lot of value in me coming out strong in one one way or another. You know, to to me, it's like he's going to make the decision that he wants. Uh, if you had the chance to go play for Tom Izzo for one year, uh, who wouldn't at least consider that kind of possibility? So, uh, to me. And, and, and I'm sure he runs into a lot of NBA players now that are probably calling him and, uh, and and being in a mentor situation for him. And a lot of them that didn't go to college and a lot of them that did go to college and, and really appreciated that one, two years of their lives and maybe look back on that with a lot of fondness. And I think that that kind of thing coming from guys that he respects and guys that he uh, looks up to, I think that that could go a long way too. Look, I was not an athlete and I had the time of my life in East Lansing. I can't imagine being <laughs> a god on that campus for a year. It's sure. just it's just the best place. It would not suck. It would be fun to be that kid for, you know, even 6 months up there. So I hope he does land there. I know there's some concerns. You know what? Take my chance. We've been waiting for a second national title here for over 2 decades. Like I'm ready. Take a big swing if it blows up. He's gone in half a year anyway. Who cares? So I hope it happens. I want to move to the speed round. We talked a little bit before the show. Maybe we get into the Pistons. Eh, no offense. (laughs) Screw the Pistons. I want to get to the speed round with you. 
So we talked about the rules a little bit before the show. We're not going to go over them all again. We're going to throw some stuff at you. The first one we start with, though, is going to be the exception to the rule where if you need to go a little bit longer, it's okay because I'm okay. asking you for a story. So we'll start okay. here. You are a uh, in a prior life a blackjack dealer. You've been through that uh, experience. I love casino stories. I love asking at the table, hey, like what's the craziest thing you've seen? Biggest celebrity you've, you've you know, dealt to, whatever. What's your craziest blackjack dealer story? Well, I was I was only on the floor for less than a year. It was like a six to eight month month period, and I don't think I worked a lot of the Friday and Saturday nights. So, uh, you know, just if it was a guy, if you work a ten hour shift and a guy was there like the entire time, I'd say that was a was a pretty strong story. Um, and then I did work New Year's Eve one year, and that was kind of a crazy one. Uh, just, you know, three people deep and, and, uh, the amount of money, it was at a nice casino in the Chicago area. So, you know, the, the, the people betting, uh, I, I'm trying to think about what the 12 grand or something like that, a hand. So, uh, that, that's, that's a lot of dough to be thrown around. So, uh, as far as like something wild that happened, I never dealt like the progressive thing that came, you know, that you get $500,000 or something like that for. So, uh, just a guy sitting there through your whole shift for 10 hours, I'd say is the craziest thing. No one ever like threatened you said they're going to, you know, kick your ass or cause I've actually seen that at a table. Not kick my ass, but yeah, I mean, people that real, obviously really pissed at the fact that you're dealing yeah. the cards that you're dealing, but I don't think I was ever physically threatened. No, no. Well, good for you. I mean, on a long enough timeline that was a lot of shit up. talking, but not, not, not physically threatened. I have a lot of like crazy stories, just, but it's not crazy. My favorite was I played uh blackjack at Atlantis in the Bahamas years ago. I mean, I was probably in my early twenties and Ken Griffey Jr. was at my table. Oh, nice. He like came up and sat at the table and kid. Everyone always, yeah, he, I just loved him, but, um, he wasn't a kid then he was probably like 35 at the time, but, uh, everyone always asks like, what was he betting? Honestly, it was like 15, 20 bucks a hand. Like, really? he, yeah, he was just, just, he had a big stack of chips, but he was like 20, didn't care if mm -hmm. he was just like hanging out, had a drink and it was really nice. A really nice guy. One of the days that I wasn't working there was the day that Alan Iverson did show up oh, at, at the casino. I worked man. at. I would have come in on my day off for that he one. He was playing roulette and, uh, and the TMZ actually ended up doing a story or the photos got sent to them. And there was a lot of money being thrown around that. Day. I can't imagine, man. I to to the casino, to by the way. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. His, his story is just the guy like didn't sleep. He'd be up till four. I am like yeah. playing and that's what's out there. So, you know, I do serious show prep. This is a serious operation. <laughs> the best Bruce Springsteen song. You're ah, a Springsteen fan. Big boss guy. I am a huge Springsteen fan. Oh, nice. I love him. We, we did right. the same I'll bit. will be back with, someday. Uh, yeah. we, let's go to a concert together. Mm -hmm. He's, we're best friends now. We'll bring <laughs> our, our good friend Michael Stone from 97.1. I haven't seen him as many as, as much as Stoney has. Oh, yeah. No <laughs> one has. I, I mean, members of the E Street Band haven't been to as many concerts as Michael Stone has. But best Springsteen song? I'm going to say Backstreets. That's a great answer. What do you think? Nothing, it's, it's not mine, but it's a great answer. Live version's better, of course, than album version. Uh, just I was on the floor at the Palace uh, for him the one time I saw him here in Detroit, and it was during the encore. It was, uh, you know, had some drinks and whatever else, and uh, it, just, it just kind of hit me at the perfect time. And uh, I'll just never forget that. So Backstreet's for me. Yeah, you got a personal resonance with it. Mm -hmm. uh, for the record, I think Jungle Land is his best song, but it really depends. Like 
best Springsteen song on a road trip, best Springsteen right. song if I feel like shit. Like yeah. maybe I play like Valentine's Day or, <laughs> you know, tougher than the rest. I mean, you know, it's tougher like, than the rest. I love that song. Yeah, it depends on the mood, yeah. you know. But mm-hmm. he's he's got so many. If I had to say one, I'd pick Jungle Land. It's also his best album, the Gordon Ryan album. For you? How about for you? You into for you for the slow I, song? I like it, but it wouldn't be in the top ten. Okay. I, I'd rather put like B label. Sad eyes about Ooh, that. There's nothing nice. wrong with that. Sad we could, eyes. We could go. We could go on. We, we can geek on. out. Yeah. <laughs> For the sake of everyone else, we'll move on. I think people in our age group that haven't tried Springsteen, if I were, I would give it a week and just kind of throw it in the background and just see what you think. I was a late arrival. Obviously, I knew like Dancing in the Dark and yeah. stuff like everybody does. But uh, my high school history teacher, Don Sheravino at Lasser High School, was like the biggest Springsteen fan, probably still is, like mm-hmm. ever. And he would always talk about him. And, and, you know, I became friendly with him after. And he was like, just get into him. Just was he gave me the uh, his copy of the Springsteen Live um, was it 85. I think it was mm-hmm. whatever it was. And just said, like, listen to this once and then give it back to me. And if mm-hmm. you don't love it, like, fine. Been in love ever since. So that's mm-hmm. uh, almost 15 years ago now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, moving on. Speaking of research. You were in the USVI, which is like heaven on earth for me. Yeah. You were a St. Thomas guy. I've That's been right. to St. Thomas plenty of times, but yes. I, I like to stay on St. John. Yeah. How did you live there and come back? Why the hell did you leave the Virgin Islands? Wow. Um, so the si- I grew up in Royal Oak. Uh, the size of St. Thomas is the size of Royal Oak. Square, square yes. mileage. It's small. So, you know, I, I don't scuba dive. I a little claustrophobia. I don't quite know why, but I'm just not a scuba diver and I don't can't afford nor have the want to buy a boat. And to me, those were the two reasons why I didn't stay there for the rest of my life. Because you do all the trails, you go to every beach, you go to every bar, you you learn you 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 meet every other local on St. Thomas uh and and after a while, it, you you know, my family's up here, my friends are up here. Uh and so yeah, I get asked this question all the time. It was three years. I had a great time. I covered the Olympics in Rio for the Virgin Islands Daily News. Uh, I had a lot of lifelong friends from there. I'll be back to visit several times throughout the course of my life. Loved it. Will always love it. But uh, it's just it's you get a little FOMO of back of what's going on back here in uh, in the U.S. or on the continent. And uh, and yeah, I miss it, especially during the winter. But uh, it, it gets it gets a little Groundhog Day living there. I can day imagine. in and day out, yeah. which is a good thing for the first year. But then you know it's just it's 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 great and I love it. But uh, it wasn't for me for the rest of my life. The greatest vacation hack in the world is going to St. John's. You can rent a, a, just an absolute mansion, like seven eight bedroom mm-hmm. mansion. But you go with four or five or six other couples. You split it. We've done it before, actually twice. It's like. $250 a night per couple, mm-hmm. which is like what you would pay in a solid hotel room in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. But you're, you're like overlooking this vast blue water and you're in a, you're in a mansion. You're yeah. probably in Kenny Chesney's neighborhood. Too. You're, you're probably right down the street from Kenny Chesney. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like $2,000 a night, but go with five, six other couples. Yeah. No big deal. St. St. John couldn't recommend it anymore. Almost every Saturday. I had Saturday off. We didn't have a Sunday edition of the paper. Go there and hike and go to one of the resorts to the beach. Every say, and I'm getting wistful just thinking about it. Maybe, maybe I made the wrong decision, but I love loved being back here in the D. Uh, I, I can't blame you, but I do love the USVI in general and the BVI. If you want to go to Absolutely. New Year's Foxies, it's just the best. Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, okay, we'll move on. Actually, back into the sports basket. Mm-hmm. I know where I stand on this, but this is your speed round, not mine. The super team era of the NBA. 
we threw a Bulls graphic up there, but really I think it started with the LeBron decision in 2010 where these guys are, are friends. They're on the uh, banana boat together in the Caribbean, and then they're talking about how they're going to play together in a year. I think it's been terrible for the NBA. Where do you stand on this? I think it's good. I think it's good for the NBA because it's a built-in villain, right? And yes, it makes it harder for the Detroit Pistons of the world and the other teams that are mid-markets or whatever you want to call them. But one of these days, whether it's the Pistons, the Toronto Raptors, whoever you're talking about, when they climb that mountain, when they beat that team, it makes it even sweeter. We've seen some teams from some non-super team eras. You talk about LeBron, you know, the 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 Mavs that beat that LeBron team is, is like that that group that got over the hump. But what about the the uh the, some of those Spurs championships when they beat the preheat LeBron when he was like the, his first time in the finals? Do we look do we really think about that championship as a great one? I know we love the 05 Pistons here, or 04 Pistons, sorry. Uh, should have been both. Should have been 04, both. Yeah. Should have been right both times. The 04 Pistons, but like people outside of Michigan would be like, was that really a championship team? And 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 of course we know it. It was, and and they deserved it. But there's a little bit of asterisk in, in some kind of minds. But if you are if you are that super team that is Golden State and, and wipes and vanquishes the whole NBA, or you get past one of those teams, ask the people in Toronto what they think about super teams and how they feel about that title. Uh, I think it's fine, and I think it's good, and it helps the popularity the built-in villain, and uh, no, I'm not a big fan of, of like a Durant going to a super team, but the 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 actual presence of super teams, I think, is something that lifts the profile of the league. We can do an hour on that. We won't. <laughs> I disagree with basically everything you just said. Right. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a preference thing. It's not like you're sure. wrong. It's just I don't like it, and I'll leave it at that. We Next time, we'll, we'll get into that. An hour on super teams. Well, it's just an hour on the NBA and why I think it's the, the pits now compared to what it was. And I was a huge NBA fan. Got the stupid logos on the jerseys. $600,000 to put Goodyear on. The, the, the Cleveland Cavaliers need $600,000 from Goodyear. I mean, I'm a capitalist, but come on. Your jerseys look like ass now. See, I could go on and on. Let's move on. Speaking of NBA, the most cliche argument Ooh. ever. But I had to put it in with an NBA, NBA guy in the house, yeah. LeBron or Jordan. I'm old enough where it's, it's Jordan. It's still Jordan. I mean, uh, may, th- I'm, I am open to the idea that maybe LeBron gets there someday. I'm skeptical, and I don't think it's going to happen. But if there's like some more, I mean, it's already been a great close to his, his run here. But if this continues, I mean, he's at the longest prime of like any athlete we've ever seen, not just basketball. And the way he's taking care of himself, you got to give him credit for that. So does that longevity factor at some point like put him over the edge compared to the the short the shorter span but the greater span of Michael Jordan I guess that's the question but to me it's still definitely Jordan it's probably always going to be Jordan but I think especially with this last championship LeBron is like crack that door open to where I can start to hear that argument and I'm open to the idea that years from now I could be calling them the co-goats or whatever you want to call them uh, but it's still Jordan to me yeah, I agree. We'll leave it there with him. Last but not least, you're a Central Michigan guy. Far up. We have talked about this a little bit in the past. The O'Kelly Sports Bar, I have argued, and not pleasant. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I have argued for years with friends of mine that the O'Kelly Sports Bar you in Mount Pleasant, a tiny little cute Mount Pleasant, mm-hmm. you could drop that sports bar into any college town in America. It would hold up. 
I think it's one of the best sports bars in the country. Where do you stand on O'Kelly's? Yeah, it's just you got the the whole thing where you're you're watching the whole wall of TVs. It's connected to the wayside where you can go over and do some real damage at the after when the game. Huge are reason over. why it's a great bar, by yeah, the way. It the walk, wayside you connection. walk over. You don't have to go out to the Michigan Winter to get to that next bar. It's it's perfect in that regard. Uh, if you're looking for a place to get a good education and to have a great time, uh, and this is me doing my spiel for for Central Michigan, go there, spend some time at O'Kelly's. I mean, you can imagine what St. Patty's Day is like up there at the NCAA tournaments going on. Um, it's a great place, great burgers. Uh, always great staff up there. And uh, yes, if you spend some good quality time at O'Kelly's, you are not going to be sorry. O'Kelly's is awesome. I love it. I, it's, I honestly like it more than any sports bar in East Lansing. I, in, I mean, the East Lansing food scene is kind of a, a disaster anyway. Okay. But O'Kelly's is awesome for the reasons you laid out. You have a giant wall of big TVs. The booths are awesome. There's none of this like really turning. Like The, the design is everyone's kind of facing the TVs mm-hmm. for the most part. It's just a brilliant design. And the thing that you didn't mention that I think is prevalent there is just the vibe. Mm-hmm. Like there's certain things, the infrastructure, the convenience, you can't really speak to that. You just have to go. Mm-hmm. It's just a good vibe there. Mount Pleasant is such a friendly campus. So. Love it. And it's accessible. It, it, I always thought when I when I went to school there, was the, it, was, it was a decent-sized place. But then you move back, you move away, and you come back. Like this is a really small little town. But Soaring Eagle, you can play blackjack when you're 18. Um, and there's, it's just, it's just, it's just everything you want. They're going to have sports betting there very soon as well to go full circle here. But, uh, uh, yeah, I love my time at Mount Pleasant and I uh, can't wait to be back soon. Fire up chips. Fire we, up we love the chips here too. Chips. This is a, we love the chips here too, especially because they produced you and Chad Livingood. Absolutely. So two of the finest journalists working in America today. Ooh. So I had a blast with you, Matt. I hey, appreciate your time. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm so happy you had us on, uh, and talk and play Michigan is, uh, is what we want to do. We're growing. And uh, we're getting up to that stratosphere. The sky's the limit. And uh, bringing you all the information you need to, to, to gamble responsibly, to know what you're talking about, to know what you're doing, and uh, to stay abreast with the, the business side of it. Because I think it's something that people uh, who play a little bit will be interested to, to follow along as time goes on. They should definitely check you out. Playmichigan.com, Matt Shook. Uh, I just I love your work. I mean, believe me. Like I, I wasn't kidding. We have had people reach out to ask to be on the show. And <laughs> I, I, just, I feel so bad, but it's like, I'm not going to just punish my audience with yes. someone that I don't think they would find appealing. It was obvious your work stood for itself. Tony Paul reached out to me, a good friend of mine, good friend of yep. yours, said, like, this guy's great. You know, mm-hmm. it's great that you're having him on. So I just, I loved having the you. The great Tony Paul. He is wonderful. Talk about, we've said a lot of the best, this, the best, that. Mm-hmm. He's certainly in that top five for me, sports oh, sure. writers in, in Michigan. He's phenomenal. And even though Michigan State fans tend to hate him because he reports <laughs> accurately on his own alma mater. As How if, can you do that? As me? if there's no problems, there's no justifiable reason to say anything bad about the Michigan State University administration in the last half decade. Mm-hmm. It's like poor Tony Paul, the guy's printing like court reports that are just have no, with no interjection of his opinion whatsoever. And he's getting crucified. It's yeah. like the guy literally did a FOIA and just printed the document. Can you give this poor guy a break? The but guy's a machine. He's awesome. Phenomenal reporter. So love you, Tony Paul. Everyone check out PlayMichigan.com. Matt Shook, I, I'm not going to tell you I've been following it forever and ever. It's new, and I just discovered it myself last week. It is great, though. you got a, a new uh, follower in me for and sure. And that's that's what we're doing. We're trying to get the media blitz out there. We're trying to get our name out there. And I, like I said, give us a chance. Check it out. And if you got any questions, please reach out to me. We'll, we're open to doing the stories that you're looking for. And uh, we're looking to uh, to grow with this whole thing and to, uh, to keep our eyes on it. Well, we are uh, in your corner and support you. And again, please come back. I don't care. I, we have a lot of media mutual friends. Don't listen to a thing they say unless <laughs> it's positive. 
boy, there have been a lot of people that have turned me down when I've asked them. Some people like Brendan Quinn won't even give me the oh, uh, dignity of a response, and I'm Come a huge on, Brendan Quinn fan. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I'm very sensitive, so it does hurt my feelings. I'll spread the word for you positively. Yeah, please say nice things. Say nice things about us and say nice things about our awesome producer on the other side of the wall. I call him the great and powerful Oz, Ben Augusta, who produces this thing, does all the work. I just sit here and talk. He does literally everything else. So, Ben, thank you to you. We have our set designer, graphic designer, Eric Williamson, who is probably, it's almost 1030 here locally. He's definitely on his couch in his boxers watching this live. So thank you to Eric. Does a great job. Thank you to all you. The Spiro Avenue audience, we are growing just like PlayMichigan.com. We appreciate you. We love you. Stay with us. We got a lot more coming next week. We're not going to spoil the surprise, but I think you're going to be happy. And finally, the smuggler son, go buy some wine. Virgilsvineyard.com, discount code Spiro. Awesome, awesome wine. Thank you to everyone. Thank you to Matt uh, Shook. It was awesome, man. I had a blast with yeah, you. Yeah, thanks, Justin. Take care. Have a good week, everybody. And uh, please, Michigan, stop winning games from the tournament for the sake of my sanity. Thank you.